is the role of a mother? We know from the book of Genesis that man and woman were created in the image and likeness of God. Which is a beautiful and profound statement to make that there's something about the human person that reveals the glory of God. But as we kind of dive a little bit deeper and pray with these scriptures, there's more that we can learn, particularly in the ways that man and woman image God uniquely. A woman, I recently learned, can image God in a particular way according to the book of Genesis. There is a special verb that's used in Hebrew whenever God created Eve from the side of Adam. Unfortunately, as is the case often, the English translation just simply doesn't do it justice. In fact, the word that's chosen in English is just not that exciting. It even kind of sounds negative a little bit, just nothing that spectacular. The Hebrew, the word in English is helper. It says that let's make a helper for Adam and therefore God created Eve. Which is unfortunate because the Hebrew word is etzer konegbo. And that word means so much more than helper. That word is used a few other times in Scripture throughout the Old Testament whenever God comes to the aid of His people in a time of great need. When God sees His people in great distress and He rescues them. That's the word that he uses, the same word that's used whenever God decides to create Eve. So there's a connection. There's something beautiful here. There's something profound that we can take away in how woman images God uniquely, in that woman images God as Savior. There is a verb for, uh, that the Scriptures use for man, and we'll talk about that on Father's Day. <laughs> Got to wait a month. But God, in His wisdom and in His providence, chose a very specific word at the very beginning of the book of Genesis. And that word reveals to us that woman can image God as Savior. And so I want to unpack that a little bit today. And um, I believe that Mary, our mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary images God as Savior so well. But before I go any further, we need to make a disclaimer that there's only one Savior, and it's not you. It's Jesus Christ. And so when we say that woman images God as Savior, we, we also have to say that she doesn't replace God as Savior. She images God as Savior. But Mary can teach us a lot about this, and there's three ways in particular that I'd like to offer today. The first we learn from Mary is how she was at the Annunciation. And we know that the story of the Annunciation, this is whenever Mary, a young girl at this time, the angel Gabriel appears to her and invites her into a glorious mission to be the great mother of God. And although Mary herself doesn't understand all the logistics and all the ramifications, she does have faith and confidence that this is from the Lord. 
And if God says so, then may it be done. She says yes. And she receives God in her womb. She receives her child from somewhere else. She recognizes that she didn't just choose on her own to create a child. That her child is instead a gift that doesn't primarily belong to her, but instead belongs to God first. And that child has been entrusted to her. And she lives her whole life with this posture, receiving her child as a gift. And my own mother has been able to model this well. I'm very grateful that my entire life, as I've been growing up, I've always been able to go to my mom, and she would always receive me just as I was. No matter how good or how bad I was in that situation, no matter what I was going through, no matter how embarrassed or shameful I might feel, no matter how confused, if I'm succeeding, if I'm failing, whatever I'm experiencing, my mom was a safe place and remains a safe place. That she always has been able to receive me as a gift. She's always been able to be patient with me, to offer unconditional love and a listening ear. And that's such an incredible gift that I've been able to receive in my life. And it shaped me to be the man that I am today. If you are a mom, you have an opportunity to live in this posture, to always receive your child as a gift, to celebrate their successes, and to be patient in their failures, to always love them unconditionally, to be a safe place for them to go where they won't be judged and they will always be loved. And that's a gift that a mother can give in a way that no one else can. The second thing we can learn from Mary is how she acted at the presentation. And we know that at a few days after Jesus was born, it was Jewish custom that they would present their child to the temple. And so Mary, along with Joseph, brought Jesus to the temple to be offered to God. And she offers her child to the Lord. She makes a bold statement that this child has been given to me and I'm giving it back to you, God. Mary entrusts her child back to God, which is hard to do. My mom did this well in the story of my vocation. She noticed my vocation many, many years before I did. And as I was growing up, she kind of struggled with it, to be honest. She was a single mom. I was an only child. And my mom has such a huge motherly heart. As I already mentioned, gave me a lot of unconditional love. But also shares that love with all kinds of other people's children as well. And a great desire in her is to have grandchildren so that she can continue to expand that motherly heart. And so she struggled with the idea that maybe God might call me to priesthood. And, well, she would pull me aside every now and then. She'd say, Kyle, you know that I love you no matter what. 
and I will support you no matter what you do with your life. But please just promise me one thing, that you would never become a priest. (laughs) And of course, I would say, oh, gross. Like, why would you even bring that up, Mom? I would never. Oh, why would I do such a thing? Don't even ask me that question. But she was struggling. She knew it. She had that motherly intuition. She knew that God was calling me, but I didn't even yet know it. But she was struggling because her motherly heart was so big. Well, and she would continue to ask as the years would progress, and I would always kind of, um, you know, fight back. Until one day when I was in college, and I'd been growing in my faith, and the Lord was starting to break down those barriers. And I was, I was finally starting to realize that God might actually be calling me to this life. And I was still wrestling with it myself, but I never told that to my mom because I didn't want her to be worried. I knew that she was struggling with this. And so I kind of hid that from her as much as I could. And she approached me one day and she said this. She said, Kyle, you know that I love you. You know that I'll support you no matter what you do with your life. But I want you to know that I would even be proud of you if you became a priest. That I would be so honored if that's what God asked you to do. And I was dating a girl that I thought I was going to marry at the time. So I'm like, why are you bringing this up right now? This is a terrible, this is, I don't, I'm not cool with this. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but in hindsight, it's as clear as day. That permission did all the difference for me. Whenever my mom had the courage and the faith to let go, I was set free. And it was only a month later that I applied to seminary. It's, it was the last thing that I needed interiorly to have the courage to take a leap of faith myself. If you are a mom, the hardest thing that you are going to face in your life is to let go. It is so hard to let go of control of your children's lives. Why? Because you love them. You love them so much, unlike anyone else in this world. And it's so extremely difficult to let go. But it's so crucial. It's so important. Because as you let go, you let God And you allow your child to flourish. By letting go, you're entrusting your child back to God. It doesn't mean that you don't love them anymore. In fact, it means you love them all the more. That you're giving them to the Lord. What does that mean? It means that your child will fail. It means that your child will make mistakes. They will have bad ideas. They will mess up. And you will always be there to support them. But the courage to let go changes everything. Mary received Jesus as a gift and she entrusted him back to the Lord. And you can do the same. And the third thing I want to suggest that we can learn from Mary comes from Calvary, which just tears me apart every time I meditate on the passion, especially for some reason this year. We know that it was hard enough for Mary to watch her son be Uh, ridiculed throughout his life, to be falsely accused, to be persecuted, to have people say bad things about him during his ministry. That was hard enough as a mom. 
But then came the physical beatings. Then came the passion. Then came the terror of the cross. Then came watching her son carry that cross to Mount Calvary and fall three separate times. You can imagine the anguish that Mary is experiencing at every moment of that experience. Whenever Jesus is on his cross, he even says the words, I thirst. What was it like as a mother to hear those words and to not be able to offer a glass of water? But just to stand there helpless, watching your son suffer. Extremely difficult. And we know that through that experience, Mary truly died a spiritual death as she watched her son die. There's nothing more painful for a mother that can even come close. I watched my mother go through something similar. Whenever COVID-19 first hit a couple of years ago, um, right in the beginning, it was still very confusing. We didn't know what was going on. Like, what, what is this virus? What's it going to do? We hear some, some people are really suffering greatly. Others seem to be asymptomatic. We were just unsure. Like, how do we handle this? What's the protocol? How's it going to work? And we were all trying to navigate this world together. And it was just a couple of months into it that I caught the virus. And I remember being overcome with all the emotions, like shame that I caught it and perhaps might have given it to someone else, like worry that this virus might be painful or do something to me. Um, I was sad because I was going to have to isolate and that was going to be difficult, all the things. And I didn't know where to go. And of course, my mom like wants me to go home. Because she doesn't even care about the virus. Like she just wants to, I mean, she did, but at that moment she didn't because she wanted to have a place to serve me with the virus. But of course I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to expose her uh, or, um, you know, uh, her mother-in-law was in the house and and I didn't want to uh, risk her getting the virus. And so I couldn't stay where I was because there was another priest in the house and he had to take care of the needs of of the church parish. And so I had to go somewhere and finally someone offered me their RV. And it's difficult to stay in an RV for 14 days. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's isolating. It was hard. And in an effort to be transparent, our church parish decided to let people know through Facebook. Well, I was the first priest in the Diocese of Lafayette to get the virus. And so the media went wild. They got all excited to like blame the Catholic Church for spreading the, the virus and my name was attached to it, and all the people that were nervous were starting to throw hate, hatred in the comments, and, and all these things, and suddenly my reputation's at risk, and you can imagine how furious my mom was, <laughs> ready to go search down those people and let them know what they were doing. My mom desired to take this suffering away from me, but couldn't. She soon realized that there is not a whole lot that she could do other than suffer with me. And she came and visited me in the RV, and I tried to keep her at a distance. But again, it's a mother's love. Like, what are you going to do? And she chose to suffer with me. And if you are a mom, you probably have experienced at least once, if not many times, a time of suffering because your children were suffering. 
and you experience the anguish that that does to you. It tears you apart. And you do everything you can to take that suffering away from them. It's that it's innate. You don't want them to suffer. You want to rescue them. And sometimes you just can't. But the choice to suffer with is the greatest gift that you can give to your child. Because as you suffer with them, you're expressing that unconditional love. And that suffering becomes the most powerful intercessory prayer. And they really do benefit from that. The enemy poisons your children with lies, with doubts, with insecurities, fears, telling them that they're unloved and unwanted and alone. But as a mother, you can rescue your child from the tactics of the enemy by receiving them as a gift, by entrusting them to the Lord, and by choosing to suffer with them in every circumstance. Whether your mother is living or deceased, whether they modeled this well or not so well, they deserve to be honored today. And if you are a woman, you may be a biological mother or an adoptive mother, or you may just have a motherly heart and therefore have a ton of spiritual children, you can image God as Savior. You have a special role to play in the kingdom of God. What is the role of a mother? What is the role of a woman? To image, not replace, God as Savior. Happy Mother's Day.